I'm so excited that you are tuning in tonight uh, to Midweek. Um, like Christina said, my name is Roland. I am the youth director here, which means I get to lead Awakening Youth, our junior high and high school ministries at our church. Um, and you know I have to do this. If there's any junior highers or high schoolers tuning in, an extra special and warm welcome to you guys. Um, I'm so glad that you're here. Man, youth ministry has looked pretty different these days. There's been a lot of video games, uh, text messages, FaceTime calls, phone calls, Zoom meetings. Um, our high school girls group uh, did a like virtual workout together. Our junior high girls group have a quarantine bucket list. Um, our boys have, like I said, played a lot of video games. And of course, Youth Online is still going on. Um, Youth Online is our uh, Sunday meetings at 5 p.m. for all junior high and high school students. And I just want to say, um, if there's any students here that hasn't made it out yet, I want to invite you to join us for Youth Online Sundays at 5 p.m. on Zoom uh, for a time of connection, fun, and just encouragement from God's word together. So please, if you haven't made it out, I'd love to invite you right now uh, to join us this Sunday. Um, man, and as far as God's word goes, um, we've been in a season in our church of looking closely at the wisdom literature of the Bible. Um, think of books like Ecclesiastes or Job and James. And, and for midweek, it hasn't been too much different. Um, each week, we've been looking at a different psalm in the Bible. And tonight, we're going to be looking at one that I absolutely love. And we're just going to look at Psalm 19 a little more closely. Um, so if you have your Bibles or your phone apps, or if you're on our church online platform, I invite you to go there now, like Christina said. Um, and as you turn there, I, I want us to start thinking of a question. Um, as you start turning there, I want us to, to get thinking a little bit. You know, during this pandemic, uh, I think there's a question that a lot of us have been asking. Um, and that question is, it, how do I see God right now? Right? As the days start to blur as we start to run out of shows on Netflix to watch, um, as it gets chaotic trying to manage uh, working from home and taking care of our kids and keeping the house clean, uh, as our financial security starts to get a little shaken, as we start to get worried about our loved ones on the front lines of this pandemic, we start to ask ourselves, how do I see God? Is, like, is God revealing himself right now? And you know, even outside of this pandemic, this is a question that we, a lot of people tend to ask, right? Like, why doesn't God just show himself more clearly? Like, if he could just like write something clear in the sky and in clouds, this would be so much easier uh, to know that he's there and that he's with me. But what I love about this psalm is it, it teaches us something different. It, it teaches us something better, that God speaks a little bit differently to his people, that instead of doing something so blatant and brash uh, like that, he, he wants to woo us. He wants to bring us in and speak to us a little more subtly. And I think right now, more than ever, that's what we, that's what we want, right? That's what we need is certainty in God speaking to us. Uh, like the, what are the surefire ways God is revealing himself to me right now? In this pandemic, in all of the certainty, how is God speaking? The psalmist David in Psalm 19 is going to give us two surefire ways that God is always speaking to us. So let's turn to verse one right now. It reads, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. 
day-to-day pours out speech and night-to-night reveals knowledge. There's no speech nor, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Verse 4. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has sent, set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there's nothing hidden from its heat. So the first way David is telling us that God reveals himself is in his creation. Right? The, the first six verses, the, the first part that we've read so far, is telling us all about God's creation and how God is revealing himself to us. That, that as we look up and see the skies and the heavens, that, that God's glory is being revealed. Right? What does verse 1 say? The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky proclaims his handiwork. What David's saying, there's this sense of awe and wonder as we look up and see these beautiful things that, that God has crafted in his creation. And I love that he says that it reveal, that uh, it declares the glory of God. It doesn't just say that it proves God's existence. It does more than that. Right? It's telling us that it's declaring how magnificent God is. It kind of reminds me of when uh, I was about nine years old. Uh, I grew up in a little beach town called Ventura near L.A., and I think because of that, with the beach just being so close and always having beautiful blue skies, it just kind of became a backdrop in my life. Uh, until one day, uh, my mom said, we're going to do something super cool. We're going to go visit our family in Arizona. Uh, and when we go to Arizona, we're actually also going to see, and then she kind of paused to kind of make me like really excited, like we're going to do something really cool. She said, we're going to go see the Grand Canyon. And could you imagine how excited I was as a nine-year-old? You're right. I wasn't. (laughs) I was like, we're going to go see a big hole in the ground. I'm supposed to be excited about that. Uh, Mind you, I I, I grew up in the era of Pokemon and Game Boys. So all I wanted to do was stay inside and play Pokemon Silver on my Game Boy Color all day. But nevertheless, that didn't really matter. So my mom put me and some of our family into a car, and we started to journey towards Arizona the whole way watching Star Wars and simultaneously playing on my Game Boy uh, until we got into the heat of Arizona. We got to to the Grand Canyon. And I remember stepping out of the car and it being blazing hot, like probably 98 degrees, way too hot for a Southern California Filipino kid and starting to sweat. I'm like, why are we here? We started to walk closer to the little railing that we could see this this whole beautiful Grand Canyon And I just remember looking out and suddenly seeing that, man, this is not just some hole in the ground. That there's this sense of awe and wonder that overtook me as a nine-year-old that I started to feel really small all of a sudden. That this thing that has been crafted is beautiful. You see, I I think that's kind of what David's talking about as he stares at the skies Um, and the heavens. Christina talked about David being a shepherd and just imagining him being in the field and just looking up and being taken over by by awe. I I think that's what David's talking about. It's that same thing that I experienced when I was nine at the Grand Canyon, just overtaken by such beauty. And especially with the weather probably probably being really nice in California right now um, and being in shelter in place for a couple months, um, there's this itch in a lot of us to go outside, right? To, to, to 
take any excuse to go on a walk, to take a call while we're outside, um, to wake up early and catch the sunrise, uh, maybe just to drive by the beach just so we could see it. Uh, maybe it's something else for you. Maybe it's, it is looking up at the beautiful blue skies, uh, the perfect amount of clouds uh, dotting it. Or maybe it's the night skies with all the stars just illuminating it. Maybe it's the vast and mysterious ocean. And maybe it's just the complexity of the human body, how something like this could even work. Or maybe it's that uh, the beauty you see it in, uh, that this place that we inhabit just so happens to have the right amount of things to go right so human life could exist here. Whatever it is, right, there's something in us that just wants to admire beauty. It's in the beauty, though, that it beckons us to do a little bit more. That instead of just admiring the creation, we get to admire the creator, too. The designer of it all, the great artist, right? Like when we see a beautiful painting, we don't just see something, something incredible. We start to admire the artist's skill and mastery of the person that did it. And so the same is with creation, God is revealing himself to us. He's speaking to us and allowing us to hear from him in his beautiful handiwork. Verse three, it says this, there's no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. The voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. It's funny because God is speaking is what David says, right? This is the first surefire way that we know God is speaking. It's through his creation. And what David is saying is God doesn't even have to use words and he's speaking. That, that his voice is, it's undeniable. It, it echoes through the ends of the earth, that, that it pours out like a stream overflowing. And you can't deny it, that God is speaking. And what's it all for, right? David says it's, it's to reveal his glory, his power, his artistry, his creativity. And yes, even his kindness for us to get to experience such incredible things, to take in such beauty. But really, God revealing himself in this way, it's not too different from, from, from anybody else, right? Every, everybody can see that, right? Can see that two people can see the same thing I'm looking at and attribute it to just any God or just attribute it to Mother Nature or something that uh, a lot of people my age like to say is, man, the universe did something incredible here, did something special here. So David, he, he, he uh, starts in verse seven. He says this, uh, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Uh, the, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening his eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold and much fine gold. Sweeter also than, than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, is keeping them, there is a great reward. So David says, right, as, as you look up, you can see that God is speaking. That's the first way we can know God is speaking to us. The second is after you look up and you look around, that when you look down, well, when you look at his Bible, at his scriptures, that God is also speaking to us there. I want to pause for a second. Uh, have you ever asked the question, what is the Bible? And then answered it for yourself. 
Like, have you ever taken a moment, uh, maybe as you've read your Bible or if you come to church or whatever it is, that um, have you ever considered, what, what is the Bible? And then answered it. Like, what's your answer to that? You see, because how we answer that question is incredibly important because it will change the way that we read this thing, right? Here's some things that a lot of people think that the Bible is, right? It, and this is what it is not. It, it's not a moral handbook. Uh, it's not a guide for how to have a good life. It, it's not some old book that is irrelevant to our lives today. It, it's not a book full of role models to try to emulate. Does it have some of these things? Yes, 100%. Sure, we know that. As, as we've gone through the wisdom literature, we've seen that there is a right way for wise and good living, that, that God wants to show us how to live a blessed and happy life. But it's not primarily that. That's not, it's fundamental, that's not the most fundamental thing about the Bible. You see, fundamentally, the Bible is God revealing himself to us. It, it, the Bible is God speaking to his people. Right? Salvation isn't just knowing the truth. It's not just knowing scripture. It's not just knowing about God. It's knowing God, right? The, the book of James even tells us, right? That, that even the demons know the truth, but it's not the same as knowing God and knowing him intimately and relationally. There's this cool little thing that, that David does in the original language of this Psalm, uh, where in the first six verses that we read, he's using the, the name El, for God. Think of it as a more general, a general name uh, for speaking of God, L. And then in verse seven, he, he switches the name to Yahweh, to, to the Lord, right? He, he, he goes from um, the heavens, uh, the heavens declare the glory of L, right? That's verse one. And now in verse seven, he says, the law of Yahweh is perfect. I love that. What is he doing here? What he's saying is as we admire creation, as we start to ponder the creator, that it's not just any God, it's not just mother nature, it's not the universe, it's Yahweh. It's the God of Israel. It's the one that promised these great things to Abraham. It's the one who promised to, Mo to Moses and Noah. It's the, it's the God who, who led Israel out of Egypt. It's the God of Israel that is behind all these things. And it is his word that is mighty and true and desirable, Yahweh. See, David has a really high view of scripture when we read these, these few verses, right? Uh, he says it's perfect, the testimony is true, it's pure, it's clean, it's enduring forever. It's more desirable than gold, sweeter than honey. Yeah, he, David has this really high view of the Bible, one that I, I, the kind of view I wanna have of the Bible. And he says all these things about God's word because in scripture, David knows that God is speaking to him. It's not just some book. It's not just how to live a good life. It's God speaking through his scripture. And David's not the only one that says that God speaks through the Bible, right? In Genesis, we learn that it's God's word that spoke the world into existence, that, that Jesus is known as the word become flesh, uh, that, that Paul tells us or tells Timothy that scripture is God-breathed and useful for training people in righteousness, that, that Hebrews tells us um, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword able to pierce hearts. And my personal favorite on scripture on what the Bible is is what Jesus says about the Bible, about what he says scripture is at the end of Luke's gospel. The end of Luke's gospel, Jesus sees these two guys walking down the road and he pulls them aside and, and they have this little Bible study. 
Um, and in it, this is what it says in, in Luke chapter 24, verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, so in other words, the Old Testament, he, Jesus, interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The things concerning himself. What did Jesus do? He, he, took, he had a little Bible study and showed them, all of this, it's about me. It's about revealing me. It's so that you would get to know who I am. That it's all pointing to Jesus. So, so what is the Bible? It's not a moral handbook. It's not a guide to life. It's the second way in which this psalm tells us that God is surely speaking to us today. It's God revealing himself to his people through stories and poetry, songs and letters, teaching us about his character, how good he is, how he is able to provide, how mighty, how strong he is, how he is faithful, how he cares about justice, yet he's also merciful. And ultimately that he has a perfect love like that of a perfect and heavenly father for us. That's what the Bible is. It's God revealing himself to us, speaking to us. And this is good news, right? Because God speaking through creation and through his word means he speaks to us even in the middle of this pandemic, even in shelter in place. Uh, we can go outside and look up and look around, go on a walk, and just behold what God has done and be in awe and be moved to worship. And then we can also look down at our Bibles, at his scripture, and see that he is speaking to us right here and right now. But there's a last part to this psalm, right? It starts in verse 12 where, where David starts to describe this person that is so affected by God's revelation of himself uh, through, through, uh, through his word and through creation. He starts to describe this person that has a strong love for God and his truth. And it moves him to write this, starting in verse 12. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. This part's so money, verse 14. Let the words of my heart and the meditation of, or let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Man, amen. I love this because, man, David is a really flawed character. I love that it's David who's writing this because if you read enough of the Old Testament, you know that he's far from perfect, that he does some really regrettable things. He has some decisions that were not wise ones, yet... If you keep reading, you know that he's also known as a man after God's heart. And I love that he's the one who writes this because it's not about his righteousness. It's not about who David is or what he's done. It's his relationship to, 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 the, to the scriptures, to the law of Yahweh, right? David's close relationship to God through his word is what transforms his heart. As he hears God speak through his word, he is moved to say, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. And it's this posture of humility toward, towards God speaking through his creation and his word that invites him to speak like God speaks. And the same goes for us. As we take that posture of humility towards creation 
and the Bible, as we see that God is surely speaking these two ways to us, without a doubt, it's like now we can say, God, may I speak like you speak. Would you give me the mind of Christ that I can be a conduit of your grace and mercy and love in this world? That we can join creation, we can join God's scripture and become one of those conduits that speaks of God. And now it's you and me that become vessels of God's grace and love to a hurting world, even in this pandemic. Church, I want to pray for us. God, thank you. God, thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in your handiwork, in the heavens and the skies, um, that it is all under your reign, that we can, we can see the moon, the sun, and the stars and know that they are under your command and control. And read your word and see and, see and hear from you, that you're speaking to us. God, as we hear from you in these things, would you start to transform our hearts? Would we start to be intimately and closely connected to you? Would your Holy Spirit do an incredible work in us as we fumble our way through trying to um, live a, a, a pleasing life to you, one that glorifies your name, we can know that you surely still speak to us, that you use imperfect vessels uh, to pour out your perfect love. Help us to do that. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Awakening, thanks for being with us. We're excited to see you again soon.